Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, episode 68. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Do you ever wonder what might happen if you chose not to work late on a deadline because you needed to take care of your family? Do you ever daydream about working part-time but wonder how it might impact your career? Do you ever wonder what it would be like to stay home on Fridays with your little baby or to leave work early every day to get your kids off the bus or to leave early most days to see your kids' soccer games or swim meets or baseball practice? How would these impact your career? Maybe others would think that you couldn't travel anymore, or maybe you wouldn't be given the premier projects because others think that you're less available. And maybe they'd be right. Is this going to delay your career progress? And does it matter? That's a quote from a recent entry at the new blog, arkamom.com. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder what life would be like 
if the profession evolved to universally accept flex time in remote studios? Do you ever wonder what it would be like if our profession and our professional cultures throughout the world could put a priority on raising families over making money? Do you ever wonder what could happen when one person recognizes a problem and decides to take a lead to find a solution? Well, today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I'm speaking with the founder of Arkamom.com. Amy Kaler is one such person who's decided to stop watching from the sidelines. She's a leader in our profession, and she is pushing us all to wonder. Support for everything we do here at Entrepreneur Architect is provided by our platform sponsor, FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. For a free 30-day trial, visit freshbooks.com slash architect. Amy Kaler, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for Thanks for uh, taking your time and joining with us. Uh, you're a mom. I am. Uh, you have two kids. And like me, you're married to an architect. Uh, <laughs> yes. Who, uh, from what I understand, is also on his way to becoming an attorney. Yes. That's pretty exciting. Uh, okay. And you yourself, you're, you're an architect. You work for a large healthcare firm in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. and, and you're very involved in the profession. So you are one crazy busy lady. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that wasn't, you weren't busy enough. You decided in January that you wanted to launch a blog and, uh, at the blog, you write weekly about your life as a mom and your life, uh, with your career in architecture. And the blog is called arkamom.com. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to, I want to do what we always do here at the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, talk about you. Uh, I'd like to know your origin story. When did you decide to become an architect? Why did you become an architect? And sort of tell us your journey from that point to where you are today. Sure. So um, I think like a lot of architects, I knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to be an architect. It, it wasn't until I took a drafting class, I think, in maybe even junior high, not even high school. And they had the old blueprint machine with the really smelly, stinky chemicals and um we we drew up house plans and I thought, wow, that was that was pretty fun. And so in high school, I took some more classes. And one of the classes that I took um, took us through a tour of um, like downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul. And um, the teacher um, was a great lover of architecture and just really appreciated some fantastic buildings. And um, and so we went and we toured a bunch of those. And I was like, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. And um, it was funny, I, I only applied to um, one school of architecture. I didn't apply anywhere else, and I, I just knew it was what I wanted to do. And once I found the school, I knew where I wanted to go. So I went to college in Montana State, um, University in Bozeman, and um, studied architecture there. And um, between undergrad and grad school, I um, worked on the West Coast a little bit and finished up grad school and I noticed in grad school that there weren't a lot of women in my class um, but I thought that was a Montana thing you know I was out kind of in the middle of nowhere Bozeman's nestled between three mountain ranges and um, you know I wasn't on a coastal um, going to into school on a coastal school and I thought oh you know maybe that's it and when I go back home to Minneapolis there'll be there'll be more women and I didn't really think much beyond that and, um, and then I eventually did come back to um, Minneapolis, which is, I'm from here. My family is still here. 
And um, my master's thesis in college was an elementary school. And I really, um, really truly believe that as an architect, you can um, impact how well people fill in the blank. You can impact how well people learn, how well people heal, how well people um, just uh, work in their environment um, through architecture. And I've long since believed that. And um, I really thought education is a key area where you can impact how well a child learns by their learning environment. And um, I did K through 12 for quite a while and I loved it. Um, but then I also recognized that um, healthcare environments really can impact how well we heal and that um, uh, that I could have a big influence on that through healthcare architecture. And so in 2007, I joined um, my current firm, HGA Architects and Engineers, and I've been a healthcare architect here ever since. And, um, and even throughout my entire journey to this point, it really wasn't until I started having kids that I was like, wow, where are, where are the women? Um, HGA is a, a great firm to work for. We have a lot of women in leadership roles and actually a lot of moms in leadership roles here. And I feel so fortunate to work um, at a firm that is really supportive of women in the profession. Um, and I, I was able to get, I kind of reached a critical point, a turning point in my career where I was really ready to take the next step and advance my career. And I was able to get the career advice that I was looking for through a lot of the women that are here. My healthcare department is nearly 50% women. So I had a lot of mentors that I could call on, which was great. Um, but a lot of the um, women that were in senior leadership, their kids were older and they were also really busy. And so I started kind of networking with um, some moms uh, in the area to find out, like, I remember vividly one night I was, um, my, as you mentioned, my husband's in law school. Um, my team was working on a deadline. Everybody was here at the office, but I had to go home because my husband had class to take care of the kids. So I went home and I took care of the kids and got them nestled into bed. And, and then um, I, I got my computer up and I started to work and something crashed. The network connection, Revit, something. And I was like, oh my, it was just, it was completely overwhelming. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't help my team. And I was really frustrated. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be some network of support. How do other working parents do this? And I hopped online and um, looked for something. And there was resources nationally, AIA National had some women in architecture stuff, but there wasn't really anything locally. And um, that night, I went to bed and it was one of those nights where I couldn't sleep because my mind was racing and I knew that I had to do something. I had to take action. So the next day I got in touch with a friend of mine that I knew also had a young daughter. And, um, and I said, hey, do you, do you deal with some of these like work, work balance, work-life balance issues? And um, she was like, yeah, I totally do. And I'm like, and I'm trying to advance my career and I'm struggling because um, of this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, yes, I do. And so we decided to get together and just have a book club on, um, Sheryl Sandberg's lean in. And we got a ton of people to come and uh, it was really pretty overwhelming. And we thought, okay, we've got to take advantage of this. And that all rolled into developing the women in architecture committee with the AIA Minnesota. Um, and, um, and then I also continued with a more inclusive group. That's the women in architecture and design twin cities, which involves architects, interior designers, engineers, real estate professional professionals, and, and anybody that really wants to come. 
And it, um, it leveraged me um, and encouraged me to start something even within my own firm. So we have women in architecture at HGA. And um, there's some conversations that um, have started with that. And really, it was that turning point that night that my head hit my keyboard and tears just started flowing, thinking there's got to be a better way that it launched me on this path of um, trying to just create a support network for women um, that are trying to advance in our profession. And when I dug into the numbers, it was really like, what is going on here with we're graduating 42% women, and yet only, I think, like 16 or 17% are AIA members, and um, 20% including associate AIA members. Um, so um, licensed and non-licensed AIA members are 20% women. And I thought, well, that's half. Where did the rest go? What's going on? And um, that kind of launched everything for me. It was the starting point, and it's just um, continued. There's been a lot of support and momentum behind um, all of the efforts that I've been doing. Well, it sounds like you've been even busier. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, uh, how often do you meet with those local groups? So the Women in Architecture Committee meets um, once a, a month. That's at the AIA. We meet once a month to collaborate and figure out what we're doing. And then we have an event about once a month. Maybe, like, um, I think we're aiming, like, eight to ten times a year. Mm -hmm. The Women in Architecture and Design, it was meeting quarterly. And now we're trying to move it every six weeks. Um, that group does um, basically a book club a lot of times. So we pick a book. We read it and talk about it, but I've started to intersperse some other um, events in there. We recently watched, um, we had a video event where we watched a part of Google's talk on unconscious bias. We taught, uh, there was a TED talk on um, the career advice that women tend to never get, which is about business acumen. And um, we watched another one. I don't know if you're familiar with Carla Harris. She's a speaker and um, she spoke at, um, uh, take the lead launch event and she, just some really inspiring words and had discussions around those. Um, the HGA group, um, we uh, were meeting monthly last year and we're kind of shaking things up a little bit, trying to figure out the structure here that's going to work. And so that group, we have a core team that meets every other month. And then on the op opposite month, we all meet um, as an individual office or we try and do a group event. Do you find that, that those networking opportunities are helping the situation and, and helping solve some of the problems that, that parents have with being full-time uh, professionals? I think that it's starting. Um, I think that, that we're on to something. I think that um, within um, the Women in Architecture and Design, the community group, that one is really a support network, and that one is um, a place where women can come and talk about the issues that they're facing, and hear from other moms on, or other you know other uh, professionals on what issues they're dealing with and the struggles that they face, and kind of get, actually get advice mm -hmm. um, from uh, you know more senior women and some of the younger women. It's a great networking place for um, jobs. Actually, mm -hmm. um, we've had people exchange resumes. And um, people talk about what's working in their firm and what's not working in their firm and the struggles that they have. So I think that that one is really starting to get going. The, um, the AIA group definitely is starting to um, make waves. Um, we're talking about a research project and how we can do that. Um, 
I spoke last year at the AI, our AI Minnesota convention um, on the topic. It was called Establishing the Business Case for Women in Architecture. And that really, I think, is starting to make an impact. Um, I've made that, that um, presentation widely available to anybody that's interested. I'm happy to share it. Um, but other people are starting to take that presentation and give it within their firms to talk about why it's important for firms to um, support women and why diversity within firms is important. And so I do think that um, things are starting to happen. And with the other um, efforts that are happening throughout the country, I think that um, the momentum is really building and we are going to start see, seeing meaningful change. The work that um, Rosa Shang is doing with the missing 32%, and I know you've interviewed her before, yep. and um, AI National, somebody from AI National contacted me through my blog, actually, to talk about um, uh, how do we better support moms um, that are coming back um, after a leave of absence, whether that be um, they've just had a baby and they're gone for the kind of more traditional 12 weeks that's allowed by FMLA, or they've been gone for 12 years, how do we better support them to on-ramp back into their profession? And I was really, really heartened to hear that um, AI National is interested in this and interested in taking action. Yeah, that's, it's. I find that once you, once a, an independent architect decides that they're going to take the lead and that they're going to go make a difference. And that's when, when momentum starts, right. you know, that, that it, it doesn't, it, it works from the bottom up. It doesn't work from the top down. The AIA only is responding because there are members like you who are taking the leadership and, and deciding that this is an issue that is important, that this is something that we need to address and you're doing something about it. You're not just sitting there complaining that the AIA is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're starting these groups. You're meeting with these people. You started a blog. You're making waves. You're making the issues come to light, and you're giving an opportunity for other women and dads to have a, a, uh, a support group and a, 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 a way to make change. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. And I think you brought up a really key point. Um, you said, and dads. And um, I think that it's one thing to have a conversation in any of this, whether we're talking about um, women, um, diversity, or moms in the profession. And um, men are a huge part of this conversation and have to be a huge part of the conversation. I um, was, I felt really fortunate. I got to attend the um, the Missing 32% Equity by Design Conference last year. Yeah. And um, boy, there is an agent for change. That was a powerful, powerful conference. And I was really excited to see um, not a ton, but a number of men were there. And these are really influential men that are have a platform where they can start to um, influence people. I think that whenever I'm talking about the unique issues that moms face, a lot of times dads face them too. A work-life balance is impossible as a parent, I think, sometimes. And um, we need to figure out a better way, way to support moms and dads throughout this. I mean, Paid maternity leave is one thing, but paid parental leave would be unbelievably helpful in across the board. And I think that um, moms, dads, women, men in the profession, everybody needs this conversation to make meaningful change. I agree. I, I, I was at the symposium as well. I think that yeah. was that's where we originally met. Yep. Um, and uh, I agree. I think that it's important that not only men are involved in the conversation, but they're actively involved in the conversation. Because I, I think the problems are not only women problems, they're, they're industry, they're professional problems. They're problems right. who, because dads want to be home to raise their kids too. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Anne-Marie and I launched our own firm, 
So we had that opportunity. We didn't have to, you know, ask a, a firm whether we can do that or not. We built a life that that works around that, so we can share that that responsibility. Um, but there's but there there are many many architects like yourself who work at very large firms, um, and you they you know you need to create that environment at those firms for the opportunities for moms and dads to raise their children uh, in a meaningful way as well. And so the the conversation is critical, um, and I think the work that Rosa is doing and her and her group uh, is is uh, is creating some serious momentum. And I think that. The work that you're doing is also creating momentum, and I think the blog is going to have a major impact on on um, on what's happening and, and the and the conversation that's happening. Because with a blog and a and a weekly um, uh, blog post, you'll be able to start connecting with the nationally and globally, because that's what happened with Entrepreneur Architect. You start local and you start and you start growing, and all of a sudden you're you're affecting the entire world. That you get responses from Africa and Australia and all over the world are coming back to me saying, you look, I have the same problems you have. And I'm sure if it hasn't already happened, it will happen for you as well. Uh, that, that, you know, this is not an American problem. This is right. a global problem. Um, and so it'll be very interesting. So let's talk about the blog. What, what inspired you to take that next step? Because you're doing this very important work locally. Um, you're very busy as a professional. You're very busy as a mom taking on a blog and being consistent to the point where it's really going to have some sort of effect. It needs to be a consistent uh, effort. Uh, what inspired you to take that next step? So I'm not going to lie here, Mark. It was you. <laughs> it was you. I never, um, I will never forget. It was right after the convention and I had just given the talk for um, establishing the business case for women in architecture. And it was like the day after I gave the talk or maybe the next day, the convention was still going on. And um, I woke up in the morning and, you know, the first thing that I do is I, I grab a cup of coffee because I'm not a morning person and I look at my phone and there on my phone was a, a, twit, a tweet that you had um, tweeted and it, it, it was something like, wow, there is a real need here. Why is there not um, a, a, a blog about um, for moms who are architects? And I went, huh, okay, I need to think about that. And um, I had to run to a client meeting before I went to the convention and I went to the client meeting and I was in the car on the way back and I had that same like heart racing kind of moment when um, I that I had when I thought I need to start doing something for women in architecture. I had that same heart racing moment. I remember it was kind of a long drive back from the client meeting and in the car the whole way I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely a void that I am able to fill and um, one that I do care about a lot and I, I kind of needed to think about it and I wanted to make sure that I did it right and I I honestly um every day it's it's something new and I, it's trial and error and I I don't know what I'm doing but I look to what other people are doing and I just do my best and I I keep putting one foot in front of the other and hoping that you know someday will I'll have um made an impact and already people are starting to write on on the the blog right back in the comments section which is great to hear and um I just I just knew that you were absolutely right. There's a huge void there, and um, there was space for that kind of platform. And and I thought, I've started these um, other efforts for women in architecture, and the ball is rolling on them. And, you know, I, it's some of them, it's time for me to 
step back and let other people start to lead and let other women rise into leadership roles, right? That's the whole point. Right. Um, and so started starting to support women to um, do those efforts a little bit more and which allowed me a little bit more space to do the blog and it, it took me a little bit a little while to get it set up and even still like I struggle with I have a very full life and there's days I tr- almost always try and write my blog posts on Sunday night and launch them by by Monday afternoon and there's been times when I've missed that and um, I try and just be forgiving of myself and just say I'm doing the best that I can because it's hard being a working parent it's just hard and you have to be able to forgive yourself sometimes and give yourself, give yourself the space you need to accomplish what you need to do. And, um, and so it truly was, you were just so right about there, there being an opportunity there and there really was and is. And so I keep, um, surprising myself before I, before I started the blog, I, I made this big list of rules that I have like that I would always try and check and you know you to make sure that I'm always positive and that um you know that it's um relevant that I'm posting things that people are going to be interested in and then I made another list of topics and so I have all these lists that I almost never (laughs) reference because each week something new comes up and I never expect to write about the thing that I've been writing about um a great example was the one that I um you know, uh, do you, I think it's it's called Do You Ever Wonder? Um, and I wrote a blog post about Do you ever wonder what would happen if you don't respond to that email at 11 o'clock at night? Or do you ever wonder what would happen if um, you didn't call back the contractor that's called you three times and that is desperate for information, but you've got to go to your kid's soccer game? And um, because it's something that I was dealing with at the time, and I, I was like, you know, and I, one thing that I, I often wonder is what is, what would be the impact of, of, if I wanted to work part-time on my career, career path? Um, and, and I wonder these things a lot. And I think I'm not the only one that wonders, um, about what if I, I, I took that balance that is such a delicate balance between work and, and home and I shifted it, what would the impact on both be? And what if I shifted it a little bit? What if I shifted it a lot? What would that impact? And how would I feel about the impact on my career or my home life? And would one, um, how do you experiment with that to find the right balance and keep your career on the right path? Uh, so, I mean, that's just something I, I, had, I sat down that night literally expecting to write about um, nursing mothers <laughs> and mothers' rooms and something entirely different came out. Yep. And, um, that one will have to wait. <laughs> right, exactly. And it happens to me so frequently that um, I, ha- I still have this list of things that I wanted to address. And so, you know, I'm just kind of getting started and I really want to hear from what other from other people and other moms and dads. What do they want to hear about? What are they struggling with? What can I investigate? What can I talk about from my own perspective? And um, can I go find another mom or dad out there dealing with these issues um, if I'm not dealing with them myself to write about it? And one thing that um, my kids are three and three and a half and my daughter and my son is six and he just started kindergarten. So um, I don't have a newborn (laughs) anymore. And it's funny the things you forget um, about when you get past that stage. And so I really, that's why I wanted to launch the Amazing Arca Moms series um, because I want to hear from those moms that are brand new and what are they dealing with. And um, they have the unique ability to talk about it in the space that they're in right now. 
Yeah, I love that idea. I saw that the the amazing Archimoms. Um, I I think that will be great. I, and and I think creating a platform where you will invite others to join you and guest yes. posts will be a, a critical part of what you do because I think people will will want will will learn who you are and will build this relationship with you. But um, but you can only tell your story. So if you can tell. Uh, many other stories as well, it will be even more that that more impactful. Uh, yeah, Rosa, um, uh, and it was actually, it was, uh, I think that the uh, Architox series that was talking about a day in the life, that was also, that was also right around the same time when um, I kind of, when you said there's space for this uh, blog for moms. Um, and Rosa got an overwhelming response from, um, she said, you know, what's a day in the life of um, an Archimom? And had a whole series and a bunch of people wrote in for that um, and talked about it. And I actually wrote a post and I sent it to Rosa and I said, wait, after I sent it, I wrote her back and I said, wait, don't post it because I want to be able to post it and launch my blog with it. And so that's what I did. Um, but there's an amazing collection of stories on um, the Missing 32% blog um, and I think that you're so right. I would love um, to hear from other moms and dads their story and their advice and um, the things that they're dealing with. I am, I really hope to get a lot more guest blog posts. Yeah, I, I, I think there are many, many moms who are listening right now and dads um, who are nodding their head right now about all the things that you're saying. And uh, there's your invitation, people. It's uh, com. You can contact Amy and and. Uh, tell tell us your story. I want to know your story. Amy wants to hear your story, and and we can share your story with the world. And the more we all communicate and talk with one uh, one another, and and share what we're going through, we're, we'll all learn from one another. Um, but we'll also inspire and support one another, and that change will start to happen uh, just by by us sharing the information. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break to thank FreshBooks for support as a platform sponsor. As a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our mission to become an influential force in the profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. And this week, I contacted FreshBooks and requested a service rep to help walk me through the site and show me how FreshBooks works. And within minutes, I received an email asking for a time to schedule a call. So the next day, I had a call from a very knowledgeable representative. His name was Paco, and Paco sent, spent almost an hour with me. He walked me through each section of the process of invoicing and expense tracking, time tracking, financial reports, everything. It, it, FreshBooks does everything. So now I know everything I need to know in order to transfer my books from QuickBooks over to FreshBooks and to get started right away invoicing my clients with email. And I could even now accept credit cards. And over at the Entrepreneur Architect Academy, we're always talking about finances, and we're always looking for a solution to make managing finances simple. Well, my friends, FreshBooks is that solution. For more information and access to a free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com architect and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear Us section. And once you sign up, you too can request a free tour and learn everything you need to know to get started. freshbooks.com architect and let them know. Entree Architect sent you. 
what are some of the things that you, as you sort of get into this and research and do the things that you need to do and, and live your life and, and, and write about it, because I find that living your life and then writing about it sort of makes you reflect on what you're doing and you very often learn from, from what you're doing just by writing about it. Um, are there any specific things that since you launched the blog in January uh, that have changed or that, that have uh, become more apparent to you or lessons learned that you've, less, that you've learned? I think the biggest one that I'm dealing with right now, well, I kind of already talked about the, you know, the, uh, do you ever wonder story? Yeah. Um, and I was, I, I, that one came to me, I have been traveling for work and it's really hard to be away from my family right now. Um, especially because when I travel for any length of time, we have to set up babysitters and care for the kids while my husband's at school. And it's this juggling act that's really challenging. And also, um, it's hard to be away from my kids when they're this young. And I imagine that it all, that will always be the case. Um, but right now, one of the things I just read a great article online, um, about, um, emailing at night. And, um, so lesson learned, um, I think my next blog post will probably be about flex time and, um, just being, uh, being able to have flexible working hours, which my firm is great at. Um, I get my, sun on the bus in the morning and get in and I, a lot of times I'm not in the office till nine and I have to leave at five. So if I have a lunch in there, I didn't get an eight, eight hour day in. And, um, so they are really flexible and I can make that time up at night. But a lot of what I am doing is communicating at this stage in my career. And so a lot of times that means emailing and the impact of sending an email at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night on your team, um, can can send a message and you have to be really careful about that and so flex time is an amazing thing but we have to be really conscious about how we use it and so i i personally um and i'm not good at this yet i'm not perfect but i've started um writing my emails and saving them in the drafts folder and then sending them in the morning when i get up or when i get to work and um you know that that is a change that has come as a direct result of of this blog i think and um, of being more cognizant of what it means. And um, the other thing is um, I've really just done my best to be a resource for people to t- come and talk because I have become um, a little bit, little bit more um, poised to talk about a lot of this stuff. And recently a friend of mine um, is an HR director. He contacted me and said, oh, my God, we don't have a mother's room. How is it he just started in this role? And he was like, I don't know anything about he's not a parent. Um, and he said, I don't know anything about it. Can you help me? And I said, yes, actually, I can help you <laughs> on that one. And so um, we talked about that. And so um, uh, just becoming a little bit more of a resource has been great for me personally. But then also um, other people within my networks here have found um, support in other people as well. So that's been really um, fun to witness is um, women finding mentors and um, women just being able to connect with other women and um, the support network starting to really um, firm up a little bit here has been really encouraging. Yeah, you know, the the um, the do you ever wonder blog post, I think, is something that will probably uh, come back again and again. I, I would love to see you experiment with some of those I wonders. And sort of, um, and then report on how they how they worked out, you know, good right. and bad, and sort of, you know, because 
obviously you're you're a courageous woman. You've done all these things, and you've you've taken the, these leaps. Uh, it'll be interesting to see you take some leaps on things that are scary and and potentially um, harmful, uh, potentially to your career, and see how it works. And then and then and then others will be able to learn from those experiments. Uh, do you imagine that you would be doing some of the, that kind of work? Yes, I do imagine yeah. that I will be doing some of that kind of work. And, um, you know, maybe this um, this is kind of an experiment, that the email thing that I've started doing. And I still um, i am really, I need to be more diligent about it. I Some emails I'll send off and some yeah. I, I will put in my drafts folder, depending on, you know, who I have, a, I have a solution for you on that. And I, I, don't, the- I, I don't know the name of it and I'll find it and I'll, put, I'll send it to you and I'll put it on the show notes. But there uh, is an app that you you can work th- all your email through the app and then you can schedule your responses so you can you can say okay i want this to go out tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and then hit it send it off and it's as if it's sent but it sits out there until tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and then it sends oh, and, that's, and so yeah. you won't have to go back to your draft box to find the emails and then send them again later that uh, sounds like a great app <laughs> i will find it and i'll let you know what it is great um, great and I think also in terms of flex time, I think that that's a huge part of the solution. Um, that when firms begin to make flex time normal, uh, and the and the culture and the and the uh, it goes from you know uh, being judged on time and how many hours you spent in the office, and it and it changes to merit and how well you did your job. As long as you get that work done, it doesn't matter how long it took you or when you did it. Uh, if you can get to the point where firms don't have hours, my firm doesn't even have hours. I mean, we have hours, business hours for, for phone calls and things like that for clients. But my team works when they want to work. Some of them work on the weekends. Some of them work in the middle of the night. Some of them don't work during the week. You know, they, they work when they want to work. And as long as the work is getting done and the clients are happy with the result, then business is good. And I think that that can happen at the larger levels as well, at the larger firms. I think it's just a matter of changing the culture and gradually experimenting with these opportunities to see how it works and then adjust. And then, you know, it's a cultural shift. It's not something that will happen overnight, but slowly with people like you doing what you do, I think we'll get there. And I think you hit on a really key point in all of this for me is I work at a really large firm and you work at a really fairly small firm. And I think there's some fundamental differences in how things um, happen. And I think that um, the issues that I face as a mom in a large firm are different yeah, than different. issues that a mom faces in a small firm. Um, you know, for example, in a small firm under 50 people, they might not get FMLA. Um, they might not qualify. And so not that a firm wouldn't offer that, um, but they, they wouldn't have to, I don't think. That's the and, Family Leave Act, right? I mean, that's, yep, yep, the Family Medical Leave yeah. Act. Yep, yeah. And so there's there's issues that, um, that uh, parents deal with at small firms, and there's issues that parents deal at, with at large firms. And they're sometimes the same, and they're sometimes different. And that's one perspective I'm really curious about is the small firm perspective, because um, – I have my perspective, which is the big firm, and I really would love to hear from a lot of people because a lot of our um, architects are in small firms, and um, I think that there are unique issues there um, that talk about 
that I would love to learn more about. Yeah. And what, yeah, what you were just talking about too, um, this, the flex time, um, you've been able to achieve it in your firm, which I think is amazing and great. And I think you're right. There is probably space for it in a larger firm. It's just figuring out how do you, how do you deal with that flex time? And as a parent, if you've got flexible time, um, to, um, understand and prioritize your time, time management becomes a huge, mm-hmm. huge important key factor in what you're doing. And you have to be really good at time management to um, be able to do flex time. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, I could very easily not work ever (laughs) 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 because no one knows when and where I work. So I, you know, I, I, it's, it's up to me to make sure that the work gets done uh, in a timely manner. And, uh, and so, yeah, that is, that is a a big part of the, uh, of that, of that calculation. Mm -hmm. Um, are there anything else we're sort of wrapping up here? Is there anything else that you sort of want to get the message out and, and let people know about? I guess the message that I would want to send to working parents um, is um, if you think that architecture is not for you for some reason anymore, um, reach out and have a good conversation with some other working parents I was really close to leaving the profession, I'm not going to lie, and um, the work that I've been doing with women in architecture um, has kept me in and been really amazingly fulfilling for me. And um, it's um, it's been instrumental in my well-being and, um, and in my day-to-day happiness. And I would just really encourage parents, I'm not saying that um, you shouldn't take a leave, I'm just saying don't give up hope on the profession. There's a lot. We all became architects for a reason, and um, it was a good reason. And um, the profession can and has to change to adapt um, to better support working parents, and um, and it will, and it's going to, and it started already, and we're starting to see the change. And um, so before before you really leave, um, reach out, talk to some working parents, talk to people. Because there's likely a solution, and um, my one piece of advice, two pieces of advice, um, and I've lived by this mantra for a long time, dream big, dream so big, because it just might happen. And um, and the second piece is um, don't be afraid to ask. I'm, I'm amazed. I get really afraid to ask things, and um, sometimes I'm just like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm just going to do it no matter how painful this is going to be, I, I th- how painful I think it's going to be. And nine times out of ten, I go in with a case that says I need to do this for this, this, and this reason, and it's going to benefit you for this, this, and this reason. And they're like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Go right ahead. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was that easy? I just had to ask? And so don't be afraid to ask for what you need as a working parent, because I bet your firm is going to support it. And if they say no, then work with them to find a solution that's going to work for both of you. Yeah, great advice. Great advice. Thank you for that. Um, And thank you very much for being here today. I think that that you're welcome. I think the message that you are spreading um, and the work that you are doing is critical. I think that there are pieces uh, that are missing in the profession. And I think the gap, the void that we discussed earlier uh, needs to be filled. And I thank you for filling it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
Uh, is there any place, what's the best place that people can find you if they, if there are listeners out there who want to contact you just to say thank you for being here today, or if they want to get involved in your blog or anything else you're doing, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Sure. So, um, right on the blog, there's, um, space for comments under, um, the about me section or about the blog section and that's arkhamom.com. And, um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, just my handle is just at Amy Kaler dot, um, Amy, at Amy Kaler. I'm pretty new to Twitter. Um, those are probably the two best places to get in touch with me. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, the women in architecture and design twin cities group has a LinkedIn page and I'm always posting articles. There are some pretty great articles. Um, so if you're looking to just read up on issues that women face, that's a great place to do it. But I would say Twitter or the blog. Okay, and and the uh, the Arca Mom Twitter handle is taken. So, it is. So if, uh, if yeah. there's anybody out there in in uh, in the podcast land who knows who owns uh, Arca Mom at Arca Mom on Twitter, let us know. We'd love to talk to them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Well, fantastic. Thank thank you for your leadership as an architect and as a mom. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much, Mike. And before we wrap up here, I just wanted to let you know about Entree Architect One Day Live Event. Yes, it's a live event. Finally, people have been asking for live events. This is your opportunity. It's scheduled for May 17th in Atlanta, Georgia. That may sound familiar. That is the day after the AIA convention. So whether or not you are attending the convention, this is the place where you will experience real growth. It is an, an all-day mastermind event where a small group of small firm architects will join together, take massive action, and make some serious progress with their business. This is not a sit back and watch the seminar event. This is a roll up your sleeves and get to work event. This may be the game changer you're, you're looking for to take your firm to the next level. For more information, visit entrearchitect.com slash Atlanta. entrearchitect.com slash Atlanta. And if you like this episode, as always, please go to iTunes and leave me a review because this is how you may help me spread the word about Entrepreneur Architect and our mission to become an influential force in this profession. And yes, we are making progress. We are becoming influential, more influential every day. And it's because of you spreading the word. So go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. Or if you find yourself in iTunes, just search for Entrepreneur Architect and you'll find us. So that's a wrap on today's show. Show notes and a direct link to download this episode may be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 68. Before we go, as usual, quote of the week. This is from Sheryl Sandberg, author of Lean In. Thought it was very appropriate for this episode of the podcast. Sheryl Sandberg, Lean In. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Think about that one. My name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. I'll see you next week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of 
telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.